Hello and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me is my good friend and co-host, Steve. And Steve, I'm going to start off something a little bit different today. Hello. I'm going <laughs> to... Gonna... Hello, Will. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for asking. How are you? <laughs> uh, are you I'm do? good. Uh, I, I'm going to start off with uh, something that grinds my gears. It's completely off topic, has nothing to do with Dune, but as we all know, we're in the throes of winter right now. Everything is awful and cold, and everybody's wishing it was summer, but you know what? I mean, unless it, you're in a place where it is summer. Yeah, there's... A, the, so how about the, that? But it's not about the cold that I hate. Like, I, I don't... I like snow. I like cold weather. Well, not like cold weather. I handle cold weather, I guess, but the thing that I hate the most is scraping off car windows in the morning. Like Yeah, it sucks. I got a solution for it. Don't own a car. Bam. That's how I avoid that one. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw <laughs> the car away. Yeah. And also work from home, I guess, in your case. Just make it magnets. Yep. I never leave. <laughs> oh, man. It's so bad. Like, this morning. Like, it's just this... It's just one of those things, you know, everybody has that thing that really just, it just makes them so angry. I have a few friends, it's like change falling out of their pockets or something like that when they're putting their pants on or like anything like that. It's a, it's a nightmare. Is everything okay? Is everything okay? No, no. I'm scraping, I'm scraping off my someone? window. And the other thing you is to, uh... you can't even predict how thick the ice is going to be on your windshield. You don't, you don't know. Maybe it's going to be just like a brush. You just brush it off. But most of the time, I, no, it's you like can predict. It's going to be two thick. layers. It's like two. It's going to be thick every time. Fucking ice. Why don't I? Because we live in Canada. Hey. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just a product of living in this country. But I love living in this country. It's just the scraping of the windows thing that can get go fuck itself. Well, I'll tell you what else is gross. Sand in your mouth, which is what oh, I decided so to name sand. this chapter. <laughs> chapter seven, sand in your mouth. Even though no one gets sand in their mouth, really, I feel like I got oh, you a don't little know. bit of sand in my mouth. Yeah, but your sleep schedule is fucked now. Like, you're having fever dreams. You probably think that you wake up with sand in your mouth, but you're not. Uh, Yeah, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. <laughs> It's getting worse. <laughs> I at least I fell back asleep earlier today. I took a little nap. Took a little beauty rest. Yeah, what uh what time? Beauty sleep. I don't know. Nine AM. Went back to sleep for a bit. You know, that was nap <laughs> time. Nine AM. I was up for too long. <laughs> I mean, I could probably get away with a nap at my job. I, I've seen people do it. They just like power down at their desk. Yeah. Just gotta get those glasses with the fake eyeballs on. Oh yeah. That's a genius idea. All right. So chapter seven. So before we get into it, as always, let's start off with the chapter introduction. Steve, today it is your turn and you've got a big boy today to deal with. With the Lady Jessica and Arrakis, the Bene Gesserit system of sewing implant legends through the Missisornia Protectiva came to its full fruition. The wisdom of seeding the known universe with a prophecy pattern for the protection 
of BG personnel has long been appreciated, but never have we seen a condition at extremis with more ideal mating of person and preparation. The prophetic legends had taken on Arrakis even to the extent of adopted labels, including Reverend Mother, Canto, and Respondu, <laughs> most of the shy apanoplia propheticus, and it is generally accepted now that the Lady Jessica's latent abilities were grossly underestimated. From Analysis, The Arakeen Crisis by the Princess Irulan, Private Circulation, BG File, AR-8108857. That's beautiful. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get, you're getting better. You're getting better every single Sometimes time. Sometimes I wonder if my roommates just hear those parts of me recording. Where I'm just like, <laughs> it was written that the Muad'Dib traveled to space. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. There was a lot of mispronunciations there, even of normal words that aren't crazy space words. So, you hey, know, man. I'm sorry, guys. But I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm doing my best. So let's break down this chapter introduction a little bit because I think it's. I think it serves a really great purpose. Uh, at the at the beginning of this chapter, uh, because it it the themes of this introduction spreads its seeds throughout the rest of the chapter and particularly the interaction between Lady Jessica and the Shadow Mapes, which we'll talk about in a bit here. So do you know what the Missionary Productiva is? Because they basically explained it in that in that paragraph, in that I mean, introduction. Yeah, like, but yeah, not yeah, in a way that's really understandable. It's uh yeah. Oh yeah? Yeah? Lay it on it's, me. It's uh well it's uh when mating when they when you when you are prepared to mate when you've uh prepared yep. genetically to mate mm-hmm. what you to make uh okay to um uh Pizak cataract. You're doing great. Right? <laughs> uh legends. Yeah, uh no. Okay. Canto? Respondu? <laughs> Now you're just saying things. <laughs> okay, I, I clearly need a little bit of a uh, clarification here. All right. So what is what this is talking about is the Missionara Protectiva. I like the way you say that. That's how you say it. At least that's how I'm. No, but I, I'm just. It's just. It's nice. It sounds nice. It's like ASMR. Missionara Protectiva. It's cool. It's a cool phrase, man. I love it. So the Missionara Protectiva is an ancient collection club of early Bene Gesserit. So the Missionara Protectiva was around like maybe 10,000 years before the events of Dune. Uh, and their sole purpose was to travel to faraway planets and distant uh, worlds, find the native populations of those planets, and insert certain superstitious beliefs, religious pro- pro- prophecies, all these different uh belief systems and religions to serve the Bene Gesserit purposes going into the future. Okay. So when a Bene Gesserit shows up on, in this case, Arrakis, they're already met with some sort of prophetic or some sort of religious back background to put them in the position of power 
on I the planet. See. They're already at an advantage when they're on the planet. And that's why she knew everything about this uh, Shada. What's it, what's it called? Shada Bun? Shout out, Shout Mapes. out, Mapes. Shout, Shout out, Mapes. Listen, I just want to thank everyone. I want to thank my mom. I want to give a shout out to Mapes. Shout out, Mapes. <laughs> shout out, Mapes. I love it. But it's super interesting. Like, that, like, I don't think I've seen that in any other sort of, you know, intellectual property of space wizards going around and spreading religions for future wizards. Like, that is what is it's protecting the the well-being of future Benny Jesuit that the mission are productiva have will never meet. They're long dead. They're long gone. There's not new ones. Hey, they don't nope. As far as I'm concerned, I might mm. be wrong, but I'm just going to go ahead and say a flat. Nope. All right. I think the mission are productiva is just an ancient, ancient order of Benny Jesuit that did this, which is really cool. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the Missionar Predictiva, and specifically the relationship between um, Shoutout Mapes and Jessica in a little bit. But right now, when the chapter opens up, we land right on Arrakis. There is no space travel. Like, we don't get any bit of that. When you expect well, that... Well, I appreciate it. Because there's one thing I also want to say. Like, we're in chapter... With chapter 7. It's been yeah. a lot of talking. Like, every chapter has pretty much just been talking. There's been, like, a little bit of yeah. this and that happened, some training, but it's just talking in between all of it. And if we were traveling through space talking some more, I mean, oof, I don't know. I want to get to the worms and the spice. Yeah. Uh, he's he's cutting some fat here, and uh, Frank Herbert's cutting some fat here. And I, I really do appreciate it because the worms are coming. We'll be We'll be getting across those points very, very soon. But at the same time, like, I kind of want to see, I kind of want to read about space travel because it's not really, it's not really shown at all. I mean, like, I I could be wrong. There might be a future chapter that kind of explains it a little bit. I think I have asked you previously um, about how space travel works in Dune. And I don't know if it was on air, if it was on an episode, if it was recorded or not, but... uh, I don't think you have the answer. I don't think I do have the answer. Um, well, I, I, I think I kind of have an answer, but I, I don't want to really spoil anything because it might be talked about in a future chapter. As far as it is right now, I'm just going to leave it at like leave it like this and just Jessica's on Arrakis and she's figuring out where to put a yeah. bull head in a painting. And that's what this beginning part of the chapter is. It's Jessica trying to figure out where to put this bull head which is the bull that killed Duke Leto's Leto's father. So the, uh, and the painting of her, of his father. So that's the first thing is to hang up this painting and bullhead. How did a bull kill him? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it's probably, um, explored in the, in the Dune encyclopedia or something like that. I've got a cat climbing all over me. Look at that cat. I'm sorry. Just going going insane. I think it was just one of those, um, feats of bravery so when uh duke leto shows up and he starts talking to jessica and he's uh they're having a little bit of like not really a husband and wife moment but they they're just talking about their lot or just talking about the chichen they're talking i don't even know what they're talking i can't remember what they're talking chichen but when it comes to when it comes to the 
topic of the bull in the painting, she's looking for a place to hang it up in the hall that she's in. I can't remember exactly what hall it, it is. But he's like, no, this has to go in the dining room. Otherwise, we have to like, eat underneath this it. is... We have to eat underneath the bull that kills my papa. We have to eat papa. underneath this bull. And it's so gross. Like, it's it's gross because the bull still has the blood of his dad on its horns. Do you see, do you see what's happening right now? There's a cat on my but, shoulder. <laughs> She's purring and eating my ear and trying to pull my earbuds out of my ear. I'm sorry. So, yeah, uh, Leto was like, we've got to uh, hang it in the dining hall. And she pretty much agrees to it. She doesn't really make any sort of uh, resistance. She doesn't give any resistance to that idea, even though I think there's a small little section where she's kind of like, like questioning it. But at the end of the day, it's her Duke. And there's that little bit of relationship nuance in, in the Duke universe. Like it is still the man's house. There seems to be a lot of that. But like I said, it's like it's a product of its times. Like 1964 is that's when this this shit happened. You know? Yeah. I mean, I imagine the newer it the the movie and stuff will change that up as they should. Yeah, I, I wonder I, I wonder how they will go about it because the the relationship between the, the Duke Leto and and Jessica is very nuanced. Like they were never married. She is they're they're in love, and Jessica is wholly serves the Duke, and Paul is a, an example of Jessica's love for for Leto. But at the same time, there is that tension of master and servant, even like not just in like in this partnership, but also in terms of the Duke. Yeah, because and she doesn't ben have a a like uh like a royal title like a, she's not a duchess she's not a princess she's not princess irulan is she? no she's not she is just straight like up benny jez benny jesuit it's a lot said without being said uh, between their relationship mm-hmm. um and we also get a little bit of anger towards uh the duke leto's father like she looks at the painting and she goes, "Damn you, damn you, damn you." She kind of hates the painting or hates Duke Leto's yeah. father in a way. She doesn't seem to like him very much. She, no. Ed, why don't you take a stab cuz I I I looked it up a little bit and I don't think it's mentioned in the rest of the book, but I'm going to take a stab <clears throat> why, as well, but I want to hear your interpretation. Why she hates his dad? Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. Could be a lot of things. Could be something bull related. We know there's a bull involved. <laughs> that was like her favorite bull. Could be. Yeah. Was it her favorite bull? And he, you know, he killed it or let it kill him and they had to kill it or probably that. Maybe he has something to do with uh, keeping Leto from getting married to her. Um, hmm. I don't I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe taxes, you know. Probably, I would say. Yeah, lots of taxes. Yep, he's just screwed her over money wise. Yep, that definitely that definitely is a thing. Uh, my, I think I did a little bit of research on it, and I think without, I don't think it spoils it at all. But I think what it, I think what it is, it's that the picture is a representation of the Duke Leto. is of the father and the how the father is willing to make 
kind of dumb decisions in the in in uh in the name of bravery. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds a lot better than my theory. <laughs> yeah. And if uh if the if his father's willing to do that, would the Duke Leto be prone to making those brash de- same brash decisions? The other thing that I read that uh also kind of explains it is that because he's a dead guy, like he's he he's dead he did it's it it represents kind of this bad omen uh for jessica in the fact that she was just told by gallus guys hella mahayam that the duke is going to die when they're on when they're on arrakis so having this bad omen that's like this this thing of this uh, this tribute to death real bad juju yeah all kinds of bad juju and and she didn't she don't like it. I. She doesn't want any part of it, which I can understand, especially somebody who believes in um, and operates in mysticism and prescient oh, yeah. abilities. Like, he, bad juju is bad juju. You don't mess with juju. No, no, no. You know? Yeah. <laughs> From the, From the manual, manual of Muad'Dib. <laughs> but the princess Princess Irulan. <laughs> and this leads into the second part of this chapter, which I think is way more interesting is uh, when we meet the Shoutout Mapes. And the Shoutout Mapes is this character that it comes to Erekine to serve J- Lady Jessica as a housemaiden, a personal servant. Yeah, something something of the, of the like. Like a house elf, I think, kind of like Dobby. <laughs> kind of like Dobby, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, but she's also there to confirm something for her people, and that is the the prophecies and religious uh, superstitions that the Fremen people have towards the Bene Gesserit. And she's going there to confirm to see if Lady Jessica fits the bill. She's not sold. You know, that's it. And Jessica sort of has to put her uh, put her in line, you know? Yeah, she and that's what she does. Like... Um, I think that comes down to I think when you mentioned earlier that when Jessica starts reeling off all the things that um the Shadow Mapes is Shadow Mapes Shadow Mapes uh, I think she's uh using her abilities uh, to yeah, determine that makes sense. to determine these things and to show her that to show her that like I am part of this not that she is it's a prophecy that was installed into the people by past Benny Jesuit but she knows exactly what she needs to do okay. to fit into that prophecy. So let me see if I got this straight. Serve her so she purpose. so Shadow Mapes. Shadow Mapes. Shadow Mapes is a Fremen. So she's native to Arrakis, Dune, desert planet. She believes in this prophecy because it has been passed down to them through the Proctiva. What's it called? Missionara Protectiva. The Missionara Protectiva. And they've told they've told the false prophecy to the to the Fremen people and that's and now Jessica is there to to play the role in that prophecy and Mapes Shadow Mapes Shadow Mapes. Shadow Mapes. All about it. Correct? Yeah. I got it. You got it. Boom. Dune. Dune baby and Shadow Mapes. Shadow Mapes. And like yeah, like I said she she uses the uh, powers to kind of to to prove her worth to shout out Mapes, but at the same time, she detects 
there's a blade on her. Mm, yes. And she's like, what are you trying to what are you trying to pull here, man? So there I think what is kind of said in this chapter, said in an unsaid way, is that Shadow Mapes was gonna go there to confirm that Lady Jessica is fits the bill for this prophecy. And if she doesn't, she was gonna cut that bitch's head off. She's gonna chop her up. <laughs> she's gonna slice and dice. Uh, luckily, though, Jessica knows what's exactly what she's doing. She's highly capable in these circumstances. And she was able to tell that uh, the Shadow Mapes does have a blade. Uh, Shadow Mapes, uh, Mapes does have a blade in her. I think it was in her shirt. Like she had like an inside pocket. She pulls it out. Yep. But there's something really cool about this blade, Steve. It's so cool. Well, this blade, let me tell you, it can not only it, it can slice through, you know, gourmet cheese. It can cut regular cheese. You can use it as a spread. The stinkiest gourmet cheese. Yeah, it's called a Chris knife. All right, and this Chris knife, baby. This knife, if it'll it'll make your parties the cheese to remember. You know, (laughs) I'm just starting new phrases, new catchphrases. Cheese to remember, and uh, you get your Chris knife from our website, and uh, it's only twenty nine ninety nine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll ship right to your door. Have a cheese to remember. So, have, so the Chris knife is holds a lot of religious weight for the Fremen. It's not just a knife. It's actually a blade that is sculpted. It can also and, spread the cheese. It can't, it's not just a knife. It's a, spreader, it's a spreader. And then if you turn it, it's a spoon. It's a spoon too. So, I mean, it's not just a knife. I'm sorry. In four easy pays payments. Twenty, yeah, eight ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine. Two or two ma- two payments. Twenty nine ninety nine. Four payments of eight ninety nine. You know, either way, you choose. <laughs> Something's wrong with the math there, but it's fine. Hey, we'll get through it. It's not for me. Uh, so the knife is actually constructed from a worm's tooth. Worm tooth. Um, and it's very special in the fact that there is all this other religious, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right term. Uh, mumbo jumbo. Um, perhaps. Yeah. Mumbo jumbo. Like <clears throat> if, if you are not of the, if you are not of the Fremen people and you see a, uh, a Chris knife, you're not allowed to leave that situation alive. So if you're not a Fremen blood and you get a Chris knife, that is a big fucking deal for the Fremen. Oh, yeah. That is a That's big, big, cool. big, big deal. Also, if you unsheathe the Chris knife, it has to be blooded. You cannot sheathe the knife again without drawing somebody's like blood. Like a samurai. It is like a samurai. It means business. If you pull that thing out, you're using it. It is, it is, it is, imperative that you use it i think it's just like another one of those like religious things Mm -hmm. and that's what happens in this situation where uh between shout mapes and shout mapes and lady jessica shout mapes pulls out the knife and they have their little like conversation and then she puts it away and lady jessica is like you didn't you didn't cut anything with that. You pulled it out, but you didn't cut anything. You yeah. didn't blood it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? And Mapes is immediately, like, regretful. 
and she tell she asks Lady Jessica to use it on her. Yeah, she says like take my my body water. Yeah, take my body's water. Because then at Jessica notes that's yeah. another it's another thing that she notes. It's like water must actually be like pretty fucked up here. Like when when yeah. people are talking yeah. about like and water I, in the blood, you know? Yeah, there's also a little tiny section in this chapter where uh, she hears somebody else in in the streets actually selling water. They got the, like this crazy saying to it. It's like "sususuk." Yeah, I love this part. And it was like "sususuk." Sususuk. Sususuk. That means water. I mean, it might be saying like, "I got your water here, fresh water, straight off a towel. Come get your water, only lightly used." Can you imagine what bartering for water is with a Fremen? Well, what are they like? It's probably a nightmare. You know? Because it's like you can go to a hippie commune. You can visit a hippie commune. And if you want to get some of their goodies, you give them a bunch of candy. You know? They love candy. You bring candy <laughs> trade at the markets and stuff. Is the Suk Suk guy a Fremen? Yeah. That guy's, so he's uh, a, Fremen that guy's a Fremen water trader. Yeah, he's a water trader. From a long line of water traders. Yeah, they've been souking their way through history. He's just been susuking. Souk souking. A susuking. That's another reference for Sweet. you guys out there. Uh, so back to Lady Jessica and the Shadow Mapes. Shadow Mapes. Mapes. Uh, she cuts Mapes just below, just above, like on her chest, like just below, just above her right breast or left breast or what doesn't really matter but the cool thing is is that as soon as she cuts her the the wound heals almost immediately and it's this uh coagulation mutation that the fremen has the fremen have developed over x amount of years uh as a people on this planet yeah, it's super cool uh to help preserve their body's water so it's not healing right no, it's not exactly healing, like, uh, but it, I think it's just that the wound scabs over really quickly. It's like cauterizing the wound. It's like self cauterizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you like made like if you just like split somebody open <laughs> right down the like, middle, they'll die. <laughs> right down the middle, ugh, bad time. It's not like they're gonna just like reform together. No, this is like little cuts, sh- shit like what Jessica did. It's going to be, uh. It's going to be okay to preserve their water, their body's moisture. And I think a few chapters get into it, like how much moisture your body expunges, especially in a heat like Arrakis. They have to be so careful with the amount of moisture that their mm-hmm. that their bodies have, because they can run out, and that'll be a bad bad time. bad time. And then the chapter chapter wraps up with uh, Jessica just giving. Like once the prof- prophecy is like not really fulfilled, but like Jessica follows once she passes the interview process, Mapes is like, "All right, now I'm in your service." And uh, Jessica's like, "Take that bull, take that pain, and take it to the dining room." And that's where the chapter <laughs> Hang ends. Hang that shit up. Hang that shit up. Uh, I think that's everything I want to talk about. I there's one last note that um, I kind of want to talk about, depending on depending on how much you want to get into this. But as I was reading the conversation between the Duke Leto and Jessica, it got me thinking about the relationship between Catelyn Stark and Ned Stark. 
Like it's very similar. Yeah, now that, I mean, now that you mention it, like, it definitely does they, seem similar. But is Leto as honorable as Ned Stark is? I would say so. Yeah, because Ned Stark is like the most honorable character ever. Yeah, I mean, so honorable he gets his head chopped off. Spoilers. Maybe, maybe uh, not as honorable. I think uh, the Duke Leto is willing to play dirty in. In most cases. Yeah, and see, I don't think that old Nettie is willing to, to dirty it up. No, Ned Ned walked yep. willingly into a trap. Kind of knowing it, kind of knowing it, but not really having a backup plan. Zero backup plan. No backup plan. Duke Leto has a backup plan. He has a, he has contingencies working in place. He has backup plan, the backup is backup plan. Plans within plans within plans. He's got so many plans, man. But yeah, it's super cool to kind of like, uh, yeah, as I as I was reading, I was like, this is kind of like Catelyn Stark and Ned Stark in a way. And uh, the the ominous well, foreboding. Catelyn Stark is not a, like the, it, the, it, it definitely, I do see where you're coming from. There are definitely similarities, but there also are many differences because Catelyn and Ned are married. Uh, Catelyn is not a wizard. Right. She is not really anything. She's just a noble, noble-born. Well, not not until a zombie she's... lord. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into that one. Lord yeah, of the dead. Lord. <laughs> uh, man, this sucks. They didn't do that in that show. Oh, I know. It would have been so cool. They didn't do it with anybody. Nobody took that position. Yeah, it was. Re- it was really odd. It was and hot then... garbage, is what it was. So. I guess this is our Game of Thrones talk, but it, it is, yeah, it's very odd because with Beric not giving his life to save Catelyn, Beric's around for so long, and then he gives his life, uh, spoilers, everyone, I guess, then he gives his life to save Arya, kind of. And so Arya can just, like, sneak attack the Night King, I suppose. It just seemed like such a cop-out, and th- that the book isn't going to... I can't imagine the book doing that. It can't. They can't do that scene. Beric's not there, so I don't know. No, no. I think I think George R. R. Martin saw what the response was to the to the show, and he has to he has to either really explain how he got to that ending, because uh, if they nailed the ending, he's gonna have to really explain that how they got there, or he's gonna he's have to on record it that it's the same ending. I I said it when I saw it, man. Like they can get to that ending, that very same ending, but you need two more seasons of television yeah. to do it. It just was so rushed. Well, you know it wasn't rushed with today's episode. It's been a long one. It's been a long one. These chapters are huge, man, and like we're doing a daily podcast and we're doing like full on thirty minute it. episodes. No eight minute episodes. We're this doing ain't it. High in the world, baby. We are getting into it. Uh thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Chapter Eight of Dune.